John, the road to a natty is uh, off to a pretty decent start, I would say. You know, we're 1-0. and here to recap the South Dakota game here on the Shaking Lake Shores by Carver and Grove. So, uh, but John, first of all, how are you? Are you enjoying your uh, Labor Day? Yeah, it's not been too bad so far. Um, yeah, it's just been pretty slow. No, no classes to worry about. Uh, yeah, it's been kind. Of, it's been that kind of day, Blake, where you just you're, you're wrapping up a college football weekend. I mean, every every like it was just a chaotic weekend in general for for many for many fans. I think it was just tonight. It's kind of a re the a wrap up game with Clemson and Georgia Tech and. Uh, we'll get a little bit of a break from what has been just absolutely pandemonium all around, except for Manhattan, where things were kind of cool down. We're, we're kind of cool down, everything. It was pretty for chill. Most part, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty chill. I mean, like, I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about our offense and there's some question marks there. But, John, here's the thing. No, obviously, if you missed it, you know, we'll recap the game. It's 34 nothing went over South Dakota. Um, you know, we only had 95 yards passing. But, I mean, here's the thing, John. When you score on the first play, 75-yard touchdown on a jet sweep to Malik Knowles um, mm-hmm. with some great blocking by Deuce Vaughn, Cade Werner, Ben Sinnott, all those guys just absolutely made it so easy for him. But, I mean, you're up 7 nothing. block punt by Seth Porter, picked up by Desmond Purdell for a touchdown. It's 14 nothing already. Like, why tip your hand, you know? Like, we were pretty conservative. Adrian Martinez is playing pretty timid. Not really – we didn't made one pass down the field to Phillip Brooks. It was well thrown. Just couldn't get in the red basket. But, I mean, overall, I don't really have that many complaints. I think there's still a lot to learn about this team. But I think it was great to see a bunch of guys get playing time, including Jake Rubley, which I think it was cool to get to see him play. But what stood out to you, John, uh, in this game? I think for the most part, when it comes to the offense, you're going to have uh, – you're going to have – it's not going to be overall too flashy, but I think in a way um, – you don't need to make things too flashy considering that one it's South Dakota. I mean, with all due respect for, to them, they should not be, I mean, they should have not been in the contest early on or, or late in the game. Um, so you have to keep that in mind. And then as well, you're, you also have to uh, mention the fact that you might have to keep things a little bit low profile. Um, so as you kind of show some stuff that maybe Missouri is not going to be anticipating this upcoming week as well. Um, but, you know, we saw a lot of great stuff, especially um, from a lot from a few new faces, um, especially with the likes of Kobe Savage, the JUCO transfer from uh, Tyler from Tyler College, I believe. Tyler yeah. JUCO, um, and then you also had DJ Gittens um, in his first start, the Junction City native. He had a pretty good game as well. Uh, I believe he had 57 yards and a rushing touchdown. I think nine yards per carry was an average of nine yards per carry as well. So that was a, that was, he had a, he had a great game, a great start as well. Uh, and then you also, also that, that, that defense as well, they just overall got stingy. The only concern I have on the defense is that they gave up four, uh, four passes that were 15 or more yards, but overall um, just great, just great blocking overall from the defensive part and just kind of some wish just kind of some lucky bounces with South Dakota's wide receivers being absolutely horrible. Um, but overall, when you're kind of combining all the things together, plus special teams, you, they just continue to do their stuff. It was all around not too bad. Yeah, I mean, John, when you if you didn't watch the game, like all you really need to know is no turnovers, only four penalties, no delay of games, maybe one or two false starts. We won the time of possession, even with our kind of no huddle offense we were going which we'll talk about in just a second, almost 300 yards rushing. When you have 297 yards rushing, like, of course, you're not going to have a ton of yards passing. But, I mean, overall, it was a super clean game. You know, we were kind of just chilling after 14 nothing and kind of just going along with it. And you mentioned South Dakota's wide receivers sucking. They really did suck. I mean, they only they had 270 total yards. They should have had a ton more. There were a bunch of open guys, but they just were dropping passes left and right. Um, but, John, back to that no-huddle offense. I believe I saw from a KSU fan that, you know, if we kept up that pace of the number of plays we're running, we'd be top 15 in the country in plays per game, which is just absurd because we were near last last year. We're obviously not going to be like this every game. But, um, I mean, how did you feel about, you know, uh, K-State kind of picking up the pace a bit? I'm sure it's an adjustment for everyone since we're so used to, you know, 
like counting down from 10 every single play at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to, to describe it. Like, you know, typically, um, but, but the, they'll just get in this long huddle, kind of address some things. Then they'll come out with, with around like 20 seconds left and then the clock just takes down until like the final moment where they kind of just critique some more stuff um, before they take the snap. It was it was a little bit of a quick, like you said, it was, and and a lot of people kind of pointed out the obvious. It, it was a lot more quick, quicker than a lot more quickly than anticipated. Um, I know in terms of some of the plays, could have showed a little more uh, variety, a little more vibrance. Um, but overall, you don't necessarily have to against South Dakota, and you can, and maybe you didn't. We didn't see a whole lot of spurts from Adrian Martinez in general. Um, but you also didn't have to have to, but you also didn't have him, didn't need him to uh, show too many spurts as well, considering um, that you have a lot of guys who are looking for some playing time as well um, to get their, get themselves a chance. But overall, when, when, when you're using what kind of a no huddle offense, I think that, I think on my mind, it was a little bit to a lesser extent, considering some of the play calls that Colin Klein kind of addressed. Um, early on, not nothing too flashy. Kind of, kind of a way he was he was under Coach Bill Snyder. Um, he he is a Snyder type of guy, um, but you know it's it's definitely a lot more of an exciting change of pace compared to what has been for the past few years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I think I'm gonna wait to save all of my big uh, like uh, big offensive takes until after we play Missouri, really. So yeah. there's no real point in doing anything like that. Uh, John, let's cover a bit of the, the fan experience being back at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. We obviously oh, had different man. experiences. You were in the front row of the student section. I mm. was working the wireless camera, flying around, doing we a bunch of say, random stuff. So we, we got to say hi to each other. And yeah, you meet my drunk friend to the right. <laughs> man, he was he was talking all game. That's what uh, you got to do. I mean, but you know, it, it, it was great seeing the bell back uh, at full capacity. Uh, I believe it was a sellout. If I'm if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it was great seeing that ha that happen. Uh, I, I know for the most part there weren't too many issues uh, apart from some of the student lot just being completely trashed on. But um, sometimes you'll you'll have a few few pieces that are just not there on one day when it comes to kind of a uh, kind of the events uh, unfolding. But um, Overall, it, it was, I had a fun time seeing the bill, uh, just the bill being the bill, just having, just knowing like, regardless of any team that comes into Manhattan, you're going to see a, a, a crowd that's wanting to see some, some well-played football without a doubt. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of force from the student section and the marching band that just piles on the visiting team. It's just, it just brings back a lot of excitement. Gets, gets, the, gets the blood and adrenaline going, just stuff like that. Yeah, and it was, it was really cool having L. Roberson be in there to open the, open the locker. He was hype, which, he I mean, it was really, really great. That was he, really great. He looked like he could still play ball. <laughs> yeah, he was bringing the energy, especially at halftime for the Ring of Honor ceremony, which is really cool. And especially during our, the first time out, when the um, they commemorated the 2012 uh, Big 12 championship team, you know, seeing, you know, the crowd's reaction to Tyler Lockett and Arthur Brown and obviously Coach Schneider being there, just absolutely going electric before uh, for them. Our uh, producer during the game was like, they're cheering, you know, because they were actually alive and got to when they got to see these people play. So it was just a really cool moment for our generation growing up with that team to see them commemorated and, uh, and then, yeah. great use of halftime. And then to even add on to the students to student excitement, we saw the coaching staff, the basketball coaching staff with Jerome Ting, uh, Ehrlich Maligi, Dream Dowling. They were all over by the student section. And, and and Jerome Ting, especially, like he was just getting up onto the benches and just let letting people just getting people pumped up and everything. I mean, it they 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 really delivered on the excitement as well. Uh Overall, it was it was just great seeing just great seeing K State football uh, played under the lights because because we typically don't see primetime games at the Bill anymore. But uh, you got you got full crowds once again. It, there's there's nothing anything more better than that. 
Yeah, one of the great things about being like right in front of the student section for me was seeing all of Willie's uh, shenanigans. Like so he took somebody's B-roll. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. The game he was doing with the crowd, you know, having go up and down. He's got him in the palm. He was signing everything. He signed somebody's forearm. Um, he actually took my camera for a little bit and worked it. it luckily, it was off. So, and I was, I was just thinking to myself, if like, if something's wrong, like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell our boss, Andy, like, you know, blame Willie. Okay. He did this. It wasn't me. I mean, <laughs> Willie, Willie did hijack our soccer coverage yesterday by just showing his entire <laughs> he really did in front of a main camera. And then our direct, then Andy, of course, he just started cussing out really loud. Oh, and it even, even better was, uh, was Brian Spiller on the call being totally self-aware of it. <laughs> and I bet our producer director Andy Leach loves with the position of Willie the Wildcat there. Uh, it's, anyway, it's always it's always a great time at the well, especially when they're winning. So um, let's talk about the defense a little bit because they really were the star of the show, John. They really were. I mean, in terms of the defensive line, I think we really got what we expected. That first sack. I mean, keep in mind South Dakota. I mean, you know, it's South Dakota, but they also didn't have their starting left tackle which just makes it real tough for him. I mean, that first sack Felix had, that was just nothing short of absolute domination, just a straight bull rush. They tried to double team him, but he was already at the quarterback. He basically took the left tackle and the quarterback down. A great performance from the defensive line all around, but that's kind of what we expect. But I mean, with no Will Honus at linebacker, you know, Austin Moore and Daniel Green, of course, I think they had a really good performance as well. Obviously, and I think something else to point out, John, is even when you get the twos in, and they were able to hold the shutout. I mean, you could see a ton of guys play. VJ Payne got the start since Josh Hayes couldn't play um, due to some reason. He did a really good job, made a big stop on third and one early in the game. See a ton of true freshmen, Jacob Parrish, Jake Clifflin, get you know double-digit snaps. I think it was a really great game for these guys to get some experience and know what it's like to play you know, in front of the bell. Because like you, you know, you we've talked about how much depth is a weakness this season. So to get those guys some snaps early on, I think that could pay dividends dividends later on in the season. The the one big takeaway from the defense, but I found pretty interesting for the most part, is that South Dakota they had five five guys up front while K State was only rushing in uh, three was only rushing in three. For the most part, it was Felix Inudekizama, Eli Huggins. Um, and then you also got Jalen Pickle, Nate Matlack getting some getting some tech, getting some good. Uh, quality play out as well. Um, Brandon Mott, uh, Brandon Moss, Mott also kind of joined in the party as well. Um, I believe he was the one who's, who uh, prevented the, um, the uh, who, who, who um, forced the turnover on downs for South Dakota when they were kind of nearing K-State, K-State, um, K-State territory. Um, so it, 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 the D-line, uh, I think that's as perfect as, as you can get from a performance from their part. Um, I think you also have to take a look at Col- Kobe Savage as well. But you go um, from Tyler, from from Tyler, like I just mentioned. I mean, he was just completely like he was everywhere on the field. He was in the area and had so much, so much uh, more to more to give than anticipated. I mean, he anchored a safety unit that did expert. Like he he, he just overall was the main anchor uh, for this deep for the. Uh, for the safeties and the cornerbacks throughout, throughout the majority of the game up until the third quarter. I mean, that, that to me, I mean, he just had a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic performance. Yeah. I think, I think uh, Kobe Savage is definitely bringing that, that Reggie stubble, that stubble yeah. field energy that this defense really needs. Yep. It's, it, it was just uh, really great to see. Oh yeah. Of course we could talk about special teams. I mean, there's the block pump, a couple missed field goals though. You missed the PAT. And you miss a um, uh, like a forty yard field goal. I don't remember how long it was, but so I mean that's something we obviously need to get figured out because kicking is always the thing you kind of just forget about. And then when it's like when you don't have a good kicker, it's like you really, really miss uh, you know the the Jack Cantelli days and people like that. So uh, or Anthony yeah. Cantelli, am I crazy? Or the Blake Lynch days too. Blake Lynch. Oh, I mean Blake it. Lynch. He was he was one he was one hell of a kicker. Um, a few years back, but uh, you, you, I'm I'm looking to see if if some of the kickers can really prove on their game because that's going to really come in handy when it's when it's crunch time. You know, some there were some key misses or uh, this past season by Chris Tennant didn't didn't look like there was a whole lot of improvement from from their part uh, 
for the most part, but um, you know, it's only it's only week one. You can only go up um, from where you're currently at, is what is what my dad always says. Um, at the same time, but the the special teams they definitely get a better grade mainly because of that uh, of a of the block by Seth Porter. Uh, I mean, he was really close to getting three more. Uh, I mean, two more as well. I mean, he was like r- like right near the ball, and South Dakota couldn't do anything for their life trying to cover Seth Porter. And but of course, the block uh, he came up with a block. And Desmond Purnell took it back uh, for the scoop and score. And um, I believe with that one, it marked the Wildcats 126, 126 non-offensive touchdowns since 1999, which leads all all the college football teams, uh, with Alabama being second with only one 118. So, I mean, like like always, special teams. You, I mean, you got it. You got to raise a proud, proud and loud. Just got, just got to carry that banner. This is the point in the show where we call out the ESPN Plus broadcast for not bringing that stat up. Because, I mean, like, every game, every game that stat comes up. And it's like, how do you not have that ready? Like, mm-hmm. every every single K-State game, there they find a way to bring that up. Because that's, like, our claim to fame. That Most is... non-offensive touchdowns since 1999. Like, that's <laughs> us, baby. That's Every us. day. Every single day. There's no other way you could put it. I mean, the, the special teams – it was inherited by Bill Snyder back in the nineties and it has not le- has not dropped off ever since. Yeah. And climate spends, I mean, he's emphasized how much time they spend on special teams. It's an extremely important part of the game. You know, it's, I think, you know, he wants to get a bunch of young guys in on special teams just so they can get the experience of being on the field and, you know, being physical with somebody who's not wearing the same Jersey as you. So, you know, I think stuff like that is really important. Uh, let's touch. I know we've, we've kind of covered the offense kind of generally, but let's talk about the wide receivers a little bit. We've kind of set the scene of kind of, you know, why the offense passing wise, at least may not have been explosive as it could be. But I mean, you have Will Swanson, who's your leading receiver with 23 yards. Adrian Martinez's um, like m- largest uh, pass yard wise was only 10 yards. Um, he was checking down a lot, going to his third, fourth reads, which is, you know, it's an important skill to have as a quarterback. But I think, you know, as a, as a fan, you're just really, you wanted to see just like that little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, just to see one big play, just see be like, oh, we got that, you know, it's there. Especially, you know, Malik Knowles had the 75-yard touchdown, he's great. Once you get the ball in his hands, he's absolutely electric. But, I mean, we just, I, we need to see Malik Knowles as a big play threat as a wide receiver, be able to break free. You know, he's got the size, he's got the body, just to be able to be a jump ball catch kind of guy. Because I don't know if K-State's really we like ever had a guy who can really, you know, who can make the spectacular catch in a one V one. Not really. When you think of all the great, you know, you know, all the lockets obviously are more of a slot, you know, route runner kind of receiver Quincy Morgan, you know, Chris Harper, like none of those really guys are ever really, you know, big uh, one-on-one receivers. So I don't know what it is about K-State, but you'd really like to see that from a guy like Malik Knowles. And I and I talked to Jasmine Halliburton on her show about this, um, especially throughout the past few years. It's always been Deuce Vaughn and Bud Titan. K State has had somewhat of a difficult time getting the likes of Malik Knowles and Philip Brooks going. Of course, I got uh, Malik Knowles going yesterday, and in a way that was a lot pretty. Uh, that was a that was a play that it looked as if they were going to be uh, they were practicing for the most part, the entire summer, just to catch South Dakota by surprise. Um, but I, I think the one thing to point out about Martina, Martinez's capability when it comes to the passing game, um, his progression rates, his progression rates were visible. Like you, he can, he, he knows where he wants to, where he wants to go. And o- overall, the wide receivers just weren't on their, were just weren't necessarily on their game and kudos to South Dakota. They were, they were doing really well when it comes to one-on-one man coverage as well. It might have just been the game design, but now you're kind of, but you're also not wanting to display too much um, against an FCS opponent with, uh, especially when you have Missouri and the upcoming big 12 foes coming up as well. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see ultimately what, what else is Chris Klein and, and Colin Klein hiding uh, trying to keep things low profile right now. What, what are we going to see? What, uh, what are we going to expect um, offensively hitting uh, 
when it comes to the passing game against Missouri next week. Yeah, I mean, let's just keep in mind as K-State fans, like we've seen some really, really bad opening mm-hmm. games. Even when we win by a lot, there's still some kind of shakiness there. There's obviously 2011 against Eastern Kentucky. You have the 2013 loss against North Dakota State, obviously. And then, I mean, of course, you have 2016 or uh, was it 2016 when, or was it 2015 when Jesse Ertz got hurt on the first series? believe 2015 okay yeah that would be 2015 so yeah I mean it could be a lot worse I mean we've seen because we usually are just always so shaky starting out especially offensively but when you got a grad transfer like Adrian Martinez it really adds so much and a true professional in Colin Klein even though it's his first year you know he's just a guy who you know obviously just works his absolute butt off and is so knowledgeable about the game um speaking of quarterbacks uh, do you have any thoughts about Jake Rubley? And I mean, you know, there's some takes that, you know, the four throws that we saw from Jake Rubley was better than anything we've seen from Will Howard all season or anything like that, or all season last year or anything like that. I mean, it's a small sample size, but I would say, you know, I like what I saw. He seemed confident. He seemed like he, you know, thought he should be there. I thought, I thought ultimately he played all right. Uh, you know, he played the entire fourth quarter. He appeared poised in the pocket during uh, his first full action uh, in his career. He went four and four for 43 yards. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good uh, start uh, for some, for a quarterback who's kind of coming in. I think you also have to point out as well that we're like that K-State and Coach Kleiman very going to anticipate to redshirt Will Howard as well. So we're, it, it's likely that we're, we're not just going to see Jake Rubley more than once. We're it's going to be mainly how how are we going to be able to develop Jake Rubley now that we've seen more of his playing time and how us as fans and journalists are able to kind of dissect his performances overall. Yeah, I mean it'd be cool if we could get to see more of them if we just are whooping Missouri or Tulane or you know Oklahoma just as we casually do gonna or whip. things like that. But it's. It's probably highly unlikely. You know, an interesting thing, John, for me is uh, we didn't see any Anthony Frias at all uh, as a, at a running back, so which is a real shame because there was a fan on the west side who had a Anthony Frias like sign, and I was hoping he would come in to do something because I could get try and get him on the video board, but just didn't work out. There was also a a, a guy in a man I love farming shirt. No, that's just a classic. I like they were asking me to try and get them on the video board, which speaking of which, if you would like to get on the video board, make sure you're real nice to me and follow us on Twitter at shake and Blake three twelve, And I will get you on the video board at Bill Snyder family stadium, unless you're in like section 400 or something. I can't zoom in that much, but if you're in the student section, I will do my darndest. But uh, anyway, it have been a real cool to get up. <laughs> Is that bribery? Am I allowed to do that? We haven't had our compliance meeting yet. So <laughs> That's kind of that's kind of selling out right there. You you know that. Oh my! God. I'll do anything for clout, John. <laughs> anything for the clout. I've, oh I, my I, gosh! I've seen I've seen a lot of clout being built over the past few times. We don't need to go that that far just yet. Oh man! Um, but but when it comes to the running back game, uh, I, I think I think DJ Gittens especially. I think I think we have to use him more often. I I don't think we used him enough. I mean he. DJ Gittens, he had 57 yards, uh, a rushing touchdown. I think he averaged nine yards per carry. And he's and he's a pretty big guy. Like, like you know, Deuce Vaughn with his small size. I mean, that, that's been pretty valuable in the past. But I think you, you can also use a lot more with DJ Gittens, especially when it comes when it comes to using some of the when he, when it comes to using him in some of the some of the formations that we've seen that just hasn't worked out with Deuce Vaughn. Um, particularly in the Texas game with the, with the Wildcat that Courtney Messingham decided to choose. And it just didn't pan out ultimately, mainly due to the amount of size that Texas has. Um, but, you know, DJ Gittens, I mean, he shut off a lot of tacklers uh, in the, uh, a lot of, a lot of tackles. And I think ultimately he, he is definitely a player, but I, I want to see, get more reps um, just seem just seem more playing time from him. I think he's got a lot of potential and a lot of up uprise. Yeah, I'd really like to see more of him. You know, given his size, you know, I think he's like six foot two, fifteen, something like that. Just like a change of pace back that can really kind of get him between the tackles and make something happen. He's obviously capable of doing that. So yeah, I'd love to see more from him. 
John, another kind of, you know, it's a little thing, but a concern I think we've seen on offense, five of 14 on third downs is not great. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that where I think a lot of our sacks were on third down. Uh, I think South Dakota would bring some pressure. There was a really nice blitz they did where they brought a, a, like a, a corner on a delayed blitz that totally fooled us. So, I mean, stuff like that, we'll definitely, you know, pat down on film and, you know, uh, cross our T's and dot our I's on that kind of thing. Um, but I would say generally, besides some of the sack stuff, Adrian Martinez looked really comfortable in the pocket. You know, obviously there's a lot of concerns about the turnover issues and the fact that his offensive line was like 126th or something out of the 130 FBS. He just had a terrible offensive line. So, I mean, you know, you'd think he'd kind of get like the, like the freshman Skylar Thompson kind of anxiety and just, you know, want to scramble at the first sign of danger, but he was, he held in there, stayed strong, went to his second, third reads. Uh, I'm, I'm really optimistic about next week. I, I mean, I think this was a clinical game. I think this is a classic, you know, kind of case take it. <laughs> it's like, it's like our intro that the old voiceover I used to use for our intro. It was a classic case state game. You know, we didn't beat ourselves up, but I mean, it's true. It's true. <laughs> And, and, you know, a lot of players, they're just going to have some kind of shaky performances. And Adrian Martinez, he might, he might get the slight of a doubt um, at, at times, especially he's kind of getting into a new, a new offensive system um, in a new environment and a new way of how a, how a team like K-State plays football overall. Because like we've mentioned in so many of our episodes, Adrian Martinez has always been the guy who's who's been the load for Nebraska's offense because they didn't have an offensive line, they didn't have any wide wide receivers to keep uh, um to fully uh, help out with his passing with his passing situation and turnovers and stuff like that. Um, so I think I think this was more of a tune-up game for Adrian Martinez in in a kind of a game in which you didn't really need to rely on him too much because. Not only are you were you already getting some key moments from uh, Malik Knowles, Deuce Vaughn, DJ Gittens, players like that, but but of course you're getting some more viable options as well. Well, I guess that does kind of go for DJ Gittens as well. Yeah, and um, you get a pump block and an interception, so you know you get help all around. And it's his first game back from an injury too. I mean, you know, yeah. you got to get hit a couple times. You know, got to be you know, in the pocket making throws, it's just different, you know, being in a game environment, it's just different. I think it's some, you know, obviously he's an experienced guy. So I think just one game, you know, be enough to wear off the rust. Um, We haven't talked about Deuce Vaughn a ton, but I mean, what is there really to say, John? 18 carries, 126 yards and a tut. Like, it's just, it's just what we expect from him. He's, he's just so great. Like he can have 126 yards and we're just like, yeah, you know, he did Deuce things, you know, just broke away on a 39 yard touchdown. It's just what it is, (laughs) you know? But he, he had a really great game. Yeah, especially on the first play. I mean, I, I just took notice as okay, he's he's definitely yeah. built some built some more more um more upper upper body strength over the offseason. It was mainly um with Malik Knoll's um 75 yard run. Uh Deuce Vaughn just came in uh, with a perimeter block from the back. Oh no, not from the black, uh, not from the back, but he just completely ran up against one of the taller players on the South Dakota roster. And he just pretty much just, he just pretty much meleeed him, which pretty much opened the gap for Malik Knowles to really, I mean, to fully take it to the house. I thought, I mean, I thought that was just, that that, that was that was pretty dang cool, I'm, I'm, I must say. Yeah, it was absolutely cool to see, you know, your, your best player in your team out there getting a lead block for Malik Knowles. Absolutely cool. So um, just we will we'll fully preview Missouri uh, this Friday on our live show on Wildcat 91.9. But just, you know, 18 pass attempts, 95 yards. Um, how do you think we're uh, and we rushed 45 times? Uh, I think it was about 60, 40 rush to pass. Do you think that's going to shift at all? Do you think we're going to be more a little more balanced offensively when it comes to the number of passes we're going to throw? It, it really depends on how on how capable of being uh, of how capable and of how the wide receivers will be because you know they they did not have their best game and South Dakota just really overall just got on them one one on one pretty well to the point in which uh, Martinez was looking for for some of his receivers but ultimately he had to take take a few sacks here and there so it. it, it on one hand, I want to say it's like, okay, 
it's kind of fool's it's a fool's gold type of game where we have a lot more in the bag to show uh against Missouri. Um, but on the other hand, it, it is kind of it is kind of interesting to see um because because this first game was mainly okay what is adrian martinez build um what like what how does he how much does he offer to this k-state offense and so far i mean his rushing game was great but 95 passing yards was not necessarily going to do it 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 um i guess i guess the best thing to take away from it is no turnover so far like he avoided any turnover uh issues uh, for the most part, so it, it, there's still a lot of football to be played, and about and um, I'm trying to put this into the best words, we'll kind of see how things uh, sell on the field. Yeah, I mean, he was making the right read every time, but I think you know, you would have liked to see him take a few more risks. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a you know, taking risks as a quarterback, especially in a game like this, obviously, but making a deep pass, showing that you're a confident quarterback and you have the arm and you know what you're doing. Adrian Martinez obviously knows what he's doing. And I think, you know, I think he's going to have a really good game next week. And hopefully we just pummel Missouri as I expect we should. Um, and I know Missouri struggled with their run defense last year. So, I mean, having a guy like Deuce Vaughn, he's going to be a problem. So, I mean, we'll, we'll fully preview Missouri next week. Uh, do you have any more thoughts or anything you want to touch on in this game, John, before we move to round the big 12? Well, I've been kind of touching on the Missouri game real quick. It looks as if Tyler Portier at uh, Portier, sorry. Uh, uh, Portier looks like looks as if he will not be available during the Missouri game. I think it's still kind of on on a still kind of questioning on when he'll return to action. He got injured this past Saturday, um, so kind of a hit on the K State offensive line. Uh, I think you'll also have to point out that Sean Robinson won't be available, which is kind of a which is kind of a bummer as well, since he won't get the shot to play his former team, but. Um, we'll see Khalid, Khalid Duke get more reps as well. Um, shout out to Khalid Duke as well. I mean, coming out, coming out from injury, I mean, he looked like he, he was providing enough pressure to the South Dakota offense, and particularly Carson Camp, where he was just scrambling for his life. Yeah, I was, I was actually just going to bring up Khalid Duke. I mean, he got 30 snaps in. You know, we thought it was between somewhere between 15 and 55, so he was pretty close to the middle. It was great to see him get 30 snaps, you know, flying around. I'm um, not really, I mean, looks like he totally worn off the rust. So, and I mean, let's just touch on real quick. We played so many guys, I think 62 guys played in this game. 60, I mean, so, so a lot of guys on defense. Yeah. 60 plus on defense. Yeah. We rotated through a ton of guys. I mean, Jacob Parrish got 30 snaps. I mean, VJ Payne got the start, got 35 snaps. I mean, those are, you know, two true freshman guys. So, I mean, it's really great to see those guys get some touches or get some snaps in and, you know, get that experience, which will be really huge later on. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how much how much of a lack of depth would hurt a lot of college football teams, but especially when it comes to K-State. Um, so just getting some guys um, some playing time and see what they're possibly made of, because, you know, um, we'll, need be, we'll need some players to step up here later later in the season as more injuries can possibly occur. All right, that's going to wrap up our uh, talk on South Dakota. Um, before we move on to around the Big Twelve, I just I just thought of this re really funny thing that happened during the game. I think it was it was in like the first quarter or something. Willie is like I think he's in like section twenty seven, like right in front of like the student section that's left of the band. Um, and then the uh, South Dakota mascot comes out, and they're just staring each other down. And then they <laughs> they play a game of rock paper scissors, right? The <laughs> South yeah, Dakota. <laughs> They South do that all the time. Oh my god! And then South Dakota, he the their mascot wins the first one, and everyone in the students are just best two out of three, best two out of three. So they do it again, and then you know Willie goes like one, two, three, and then he slaps the South Dakota. I, I was like, that is just so great. Like that's why Willie, you know, whoever plays Willie gets paid that money because he like he just absolutely that was absolutely so cool, so charismatic. Oh, uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of going with uh, with some of the uh, spirit squad a little bit. I was a little surprised to see South Dakota's bands show up, considering how small of a school they are. But you know, it, I mean, it's I think it's only like eight hours away from Manhattan. It's kind of like Manhattan to Goodland, something like that. But South Dakota, they had they had, they had some fans on. They had some fans travel pretty well. So uh, get shout out to them and 
you know, we'll see how they do in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, a lo little, they have a few, uh, they'll have a few pieces when it comes to inexperience overall, but um, uh, we'll, we'll see how, how they do for the most part in the Valley. Of course, you'll have like South Dakota State, who we can talk about here in just one second, because I mean, they, they were in a defensive melee with Iowa. And then you had North Dakota, not North Dakota State, North Dakota State. Uh, I mean, of course, they're the FCS juggernauts, but uh, North Dakota, I mean, they, they were tied with Nebraska at halftime at seven, which just is absolutely pathetic and embarrassing. But uh, overall, we'll, we'll see how far, I mean, I, I for me, I just kind of like seeing how how teams on our schedule fare with some of the other teams. Just kind of just kind of indicating how strong how how strong our opponents are. Uh, we 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 yeah have. yeah. I mean, not all FCS teams are built equal, John. Like for example, Tennessee Tech, who played the Kansas Jayhawks and lost fifty six to ten in a total blowout, went three and eight and one and five in their conference in the in an FCS conference, some of the Ohio Valley conference, like Eastern Kentucky and a few yeah, other teams. Eastern Kentucky, I believe, is in the Atlantic Sun now. I think some of the teams, uh, let me think. Hold on, John. I'm gonna fact check you on this. I, I just looked this up like an hour ago. So Eastern Eastern Kentucky's in the Atlantic in the Atlantic Sun. I, I'm in a I'm in a conference realignment guru, but um well okay so it was an EK. I'll say that it was an EK. Let's Ohio Valley Conference. Um, EKU, like who else would that be? Yeah, let's let's check I mean, this out here. Where do the, where are the where do I see the teams? I mean, you can you can look it up on their uh, just look it up on Google Ohio Valley Conference teams, but I guarantee you, because Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State they love they love the um, Ohio Valley Conference two or uh, a, a year or two back. Okay, let's see here. Yeah, like Eastern Illinois in that league. Oh, Murray State's and okay, Murray, Murray State's State. here. Eastern Illinois, I guess they're not. Where was Mur Murray was State? There? Murray State's going to be in the Missouri Valley Conference, um, because of because of how good their basketball program is. Okay, so this must be because oh, this is basketball. That's what was throwing me off. Okay, and this a, is a graphic for basketball because you right. have Belmont. And if like uh, and a few other people in here, so yeah, that's that's what was throwing me off. I got baited because it's football and basketball. The the Ohio Valley Conference just, I mean, they got gutted in the last round of conference realignment, um, with just so many teams leaving their conference. Like they they had to add so many teams that bring little to no value to 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 their conference at all. I mean, uh, the, I think, the yeah, ripple yeah. effects of Oklahoma and Texas. <laughs> That, it's crazy. That, that was it right there. And they decided to add, hey, why not? What well, I had a division two team from outside of St. Louis. I, that that's definitely the best idea possible. But <laughs> Kansas, they benefit off of a weak FCS one. Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal. Um just offensively and they just looked uh, offensively looked really good. Kansas also came up with a special teams play as well. Uh, with a with a block field goal scoop and score or something like that so um, pretty good performance by the Jayhawks we'll see how they do against West Virginia this week I, I think I think for the West Virginia game it's going to be more of more of, of of how Kansas is going to be able to to play whether like if they're able to make more of a statement towards the college football world or will it just be okay it's an it's a weak FCS opponent and West Virginia will take care of him I, I mean, I would imagine West Virginia is looking to get a win back, you know, after that tough loss to Pitt, and they're playing KU. So, I mean, we'll see what KU can do against Duke. You know, I'll wait a couple of weeks for that. So, I mean, looking around the Big 12, John, we don't need to go through every, you know, every single game. What the um, the current Big 12 went 9-1, I believe. West Virginia was the only team that lost. Yeah. Everybody else really won. I mean, TCU beat Colorado, which is pretty respectable. I think everyone else is pretty much beaten up on cupcakes. Um, the only new Big 12 team to lose was uh, Houston in a – or I'm sorry, okay. Cincinnati to Arkansas. Yeah, Cincinnati. Um, yeah, and then Houston beat UTSA in a triple overtime thriller. Oh, my gosh. I was watching the highlights, like, just before we recorded this. I mean, Houston kicks a field goal to go up 24-21 with uh, 23 seconds left. UTSA just throws, like, a, you know, like a prayer down the middle of the field. And they managed to get it spike it, kick a field goal to go to overtime. And He's then they get somewhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> Man. But I mean, whoever, whoever edited the highlights on the Conference USA YouTube channel, like, please, like, go to your boss, quit, and just hire me. Like, they literally they showed the last play of the game, like, for UTSA, like, they didn't get the two-point conversion and triple overtime. And then they went back to overtime and, like, double overtime and, like, worked their way through that. It was all out of order. It was so weird. Anyway, I, know, I, I guess that's just – I mean, like I said, with the Ohio Valley Conference, the Conference USA is falling on some hard times as well. Uh, I mean, the organization overall is just a complete hot mess. I mean, Marshall and Old Dominion already left for the Sun Belt. And then you're going to have you're going to have North Texas here, North Texas and UTSA. But most schools will be joining the American, replacing the like UCF and Cincinnati and Houston. Uh, I mean, the, the the Conference USA, I don't know why they're not FCS already. It's just, it's just kind of sad at this point. I mean, yeah. somebody, somebody's got to take, take out, uh, somebody's got to take out their misery, kind of like, kind of like what the, uh, like the Big 12 will do to the Pac-12 as well. Yeah. Man, if only Oklahoma and Texas had left for the SEC, then the Conference USA would have had enough money to hire an editor, cut some <laughs> highlights together. Nice. It's just, I mean, conference realignment just really affects everything. I mean, I mean, I mean there's a there's a Dr Pepper commercial about it now. I mean, it's just it's everywhere. I I'll, I'll kind of touch on this for for a quick second. Nobody, nobody cares about the Pac-12 football. I mean, especially on the West Coast. UCLA has like twenty seven thousand fans in their game against Bowling Green. I mean, and and, and I think I think one of the one of the few people work at cbs i can't remember his name uh, he just came up with this excuse is like oh my gosh it's labor day dude it's really hot outside why would anybody want to watch ucla play against bowling green and in, in like 106 degree weather uh and then every big 12 fan slash sec fan just comes out and, and replies okay uh texas tech played in this really hot weather against murray state we had a sold out crowd something like that and, and then uh and then on top of that, the Pac-12 overall is just a complete dumpster fire, not only off the field, but on the field as well. I mean, Utah, Utah, looked, Utah looked fine. I mean, you're going to they're just going to rise up to the challenge when it comes to being the the, the overall favorite at, at an SEC environment like Florida. So stuffing like that. But it is kind of disappointing now that the Pac-12 is looking as if they're not going to have a playoff team and they're going to have to depend on a team that's leaving leaving the Pac-12 uh, to, to kind of ride on their cocktails in USC. Um, because Oregon looked absolutely abysmal. Utah just couldn't get it done. Of course, Colorado may thought of the Big 12 as a JUCO league, just gets absolutely embarrassed by TCU. And then you got, I think, Washington State as well. They barely beat Idaho. Idaho, I believe. I mean, 24-17, like, I mean, the, the, like, that conference is just a hot mess. I mean, it's just, we're just waiting to see Arizona join the Big 12 at this point. It, it's just, I, I, I don't know, man. You, now you just got me rumbling off a lot of stuff. It's just, I think it's just like, I mean, if, if UCLA fans heard the conditions K-State fans have dealt with in terms of the cold, they, I mean, they would be shaking in their boots. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just there's too much to do in those towns, John. I think there's too many people in those towns. Like if you're in L.A., you know, it's it's just crazy because like you what you said, twenty seven thousand people went to the UCLA game. That's like how many people go to the Hawaii Bowl or the yeah the Hawaii Bowl. Like more people are willing to fly to Hawaii to watch their team than walk a few blocks to watch UCLA. It's pathetic. Though, to be fair, like, like we, we, kept, we had this conversation about Hawaii because it's a callback. Of course, it's 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 what we do. We we talk about we we'll talk about the Hawaii Bowl, but uh, <laughs> their stadium their stadium is around like 15, 1500 at this point. Mainly because their stadium's going through some construction as well, so we're playing at another stadium. Uh, but I mean, even then, there's they're very able to get a bigger attendance, like draw a bigger crowd than UCLA. And then USC, I mean, given you given USC was playing Rice, I mean that they did not have a good showing either. Yeah, I mean, you can come up with excuses not to come to a football game, but I mean, like, it's just, you just don't love your football team as much, you know? I mean, like, 
the things K-State fans do for the, this football team is, is crazy. It's just the, I think it's just the atmosphere, you know, being in a kind of a smallish college town. Like this, is, there's just nothing better to do than watch K-State football. And, and that goes for a lot of Big 12 teams as well. I mean, Manhattan, Kansas is not as, as different as Ames, Iowa, Stillwater, Oklahoma, or Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. I mean, they don't – I mean, a lot of people call it flyover country, but, I mean, they, they have – everybody in the Big 12, they have incredible, strong, uh, incredible fan support. And, the, and that's one of the few things the Pac-12 lacks on. And, you know, even want some of their expansion candidates now because I saw the San Diego State-Arizona game yesterday. San Diego State didn't even draw a big crowd either. So, I mean – there's just not there's just not too many viable options left for not only the Pac-12, and nobody and nobody really cares about your besides Utah fans. Nobody really cares about the product on your on the football field. Yeah, I mean, I think Arizona and Arizona State have troubles with attendance too. It's just it's a thing that's contagious in the Pac-12. It's just uh, it just is what it's just a cultural difference. I think honestly. I'd imagine it's mostly because of a Pac-12 after dark stuff. Yeah. The Colorado TCU game, I I don't think that ended until like 2 2 a.m. or something like that, mainly because of a rain delay around the around the Boulder Denver area. But I mean, you're I mean, the Pac-12 is an anonymy five conference and they're they're expecting to they're expecting to be comparable to the likes of a Big 12 and the ACC and I mean, at this point, they're like the they're like the Mountain West and the American. It's just pathetic. And they're gonna try and get an you know an auto qualifier bid when they go to twelve teams to the college football playoffs. It's, it's not happening. Not a chance. Not anyway, a chance. we sure know how to go on a tangent, John. Do you have any other thoughts? There's not really a whole lot to talk about with these Big Twelve scores. I mean, most of these like most of the teams of the Big Twelve are just hanging fifty and sixty on some nobodies, like Southeast Missouri State. Like I'm pretty sure that's one of like the one of those FCS teams in like NCAA 14. So typically Iowa State always has a problem pairing with some FCS. <laughs> I know. Particularly their particularly their their little brothers and from Cedar Falls in northern Iowa. I mean Iowa State barely beat them by six last year, and all of yeah. a sudden now they they come out with one of their youngest younger rosters, and they just beat the living dog crap out of southeast missouri state uh so i mean not not besides the west virginia pittsburgh game and maybe the tcu game there was nothing really to take too much out of the out of a big 12 but i mean college but it was outside of a big 12 country where where things got really exciting (laughs) especially with the florida state lsu game last night oh my gosh yes i i was i was talking about this to jasmine halliburton uh, on her show, I mean, two minutes and 15 seconds of what felt like the 2007 college football season uh, combined in, in one giant game. I mean, let me think. So it was like 20, 27 to uh, – no, 24 to 17. LSU forces a three and out. Florida State punts it away. And then the LSU receiver muffed uh, – the LSU receiver muffed it. Florida State picks it up. And they, they could just, like, take a few more snaps, go away with a win, and then they decide to go with the triple option in which their running back also muffs the, muffs the ball, and then LSU picks it up. There's <laughs> absolute chaos. And then they had a few minutes left, and then LSU took all that time, ran 99 yards, scored a touchdown, didn't have the balls to go for two, so they went on a field goal, and they had abysmal coverage overall on the field goal which led to a block, to a block uh, PAT. And Florida State just came up with a win. But, I mean, there was just so many fun games all around this, this weekend. Just, just comes to show how much everybody loves college football having back. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to more of these type of games this season. And hopefully, hopefully as a K-State fan, I, I just kind of want to see – just see one of these games in which, like, you may not have a comfortable lead – but you're well. I mean, you. But you're also not losing by by a large margin as well. Like, like you just want oh. the, like, but like Iowa State in 2017. Like, I I just want to see most one of those type of games. 
Yeah. John, I'm, I'm thinking of a game. Um, I, gosh, I could, I wish I could remember what it was. It was like, I think it was like five years ago or something. It was a K-State. I think it was our first game of the season. Like, uh, we, maybe it was like 2017 or 2018, probably like 2017, but like we get the ball, I think we're winning and we just, we're trying to run the clock out, but our, our running back fumbles. That was South Dakota. Oh, that was okay. 2018. Man. Final year. <laughs> I remember that I was watching that in a basement with my parents and, and, and our running back fumbles. And my mom is just like, I can't watch this. She just goes up and leaves. She was so stressed. I oh was, my god, that was insane! I, I I've never cussed so much <laughs> after one play. Like, I'm just like, this is classic K State. Like, you just they can't ever like just <laughs> give us a break. Just have an easy win. Uh, like the like the one here in 2022 against South Dakota. Huh? Or and and like last year against Southern Illinois, where they just had to end injure Skyward Thompson and yeah, uh, and just become really hectic from there and yeah just I, mean, I, can't, I can't really blame anybody i think everyone kind of had the wind knocked out of their sails after seeing skylar yeah. go down after everything that happened the year before but i mean anyway john i think i think we've got enough tangents the tldr for k-state versus south dakota in a 34 nothing win it was clean it was efficient we got up early we you know didn't tip our hand when it comes to what we're going to do offensively and all of our tricks and stuff the no huddle, I think, was really effective. The defense was, you know, I think it was better than we expected, obviously, pitching a shutout. Twos get a ton of it. You know, the backups get a ton of experience. Defensive line, as we expected, you know, you force a turnover, no turnovers on our side. Get really clean game. Uh, looking forward to something like that against Missouri. So um, with that, I think we can go ahead and get out of here, John, and uh, cool. make sure – you're following us on Twitter at ShakeablaKe312. Take our quizzes on sportful.com. We'll be back Friday night on Wildcat 91.9 to preview the game against Missouri. And uh Cats by 90. Cats by 90. Hey,